Dominion is going to be something that we'll be talking about a lot coming up. Because I think that's what God's calling us to do is take dominion. We've walked in a, in a, in a place of uh, failure for a long time as Christians. We've walked as a people and we've been overwhelmed by what the enemy does. We, we, we seem helpless in front of what the government does. We seem to be in a place that we're afraid of a lot of different things. But God's about ready to change that. He's changing us that we could have a place of dominion, that we'll be able to walk in a place and, and declare. I was speaking with some gatekeepers, uh, uh, and, and they were talking to me. Does it work? Oh, God. Hopefully, thank goodness it's fixed, because I have this very bad habit of talking with a microphone and doing this. And it doesn't work very well. That's why I got this head mic, so I would actually get it right. Uh, talk with some gatekeepers, and, 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 and they do some different things, and they bless the land. And they said there is a, a, a time of coming, and they take it out of, I think it's Deuteronomy's, that, that there will be one that will proclaim the dominion and the rule. And when he does that, the Lord will help him. And I believe that we're going to be some of those people here. So I'm trying to get you that. So we're going to talk about seasons right now. Seasons. You know, when I looked at the scriptures about seasons, you know, I remember a few different things, ecclesiastics and stuff, uh, and different scriptures about seasons. But I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. But when I did a word search on seasons, I found that there's hundreds of them. Sometimes it's uh, translated time. Sometimes seasons. Uh, it's a very, very dominant theme in the Bible. And why is that? God has seemed to make it a point, and what he spoke to originally, he spoke to an agrarian community that understood seasons. They understood that there's a spring, summer, a fall, and a winter. We have that here too. It may be all in the same week, but we have somewhat of seasons. But we really don't think of seasons as set times for things to be. Because for us, it's all melted. There's no reason for us to see things that way. We don't have a reason to think about a springtime as a time for planting unless you have a garden. And if you do, it's, you know, it's for little flowers or a few things like that. But it is a time for planting. And then there's a summer where the time for things grow. And then there's a fall, which is a time for harvest. The Lord wanted to imprint this on people's minds so much that he had festivals that went with those different seasons because it was a very, very important fact for the Jewish community, for his people to understand that there are times and seasons for all things. We're also exhorted in the scriptures to know the season that we're in. And so I want to look at today, and I want to do this as an interactive talk, that means you guys have to talk, and you have to answer, and you have to come up with some ideas. Because what I want to do is begin to identify the season that we're in, and what does that mean for us? And what should be we doing? What's the blessing of it or cursing of it or whatever we may think this time and season is? I don't think anybody can out there can take a look and know something hasn't changed. Something has really changed recently, don't we? It's a big change going on. The first change, I was listening to Arthur Burke, and he had said some very interesting things. He talked about that uh, uh, 
that we used to be a supernatural people. You know what supernatural people are? They're believing in God and that God has control of things and that if you pray to him, he answers. And that he has control over all things. That's how we're always supposed to be. But as a, as a, a country, our country used to be that way. We used to believe in that. He also talked about Babylon where uh, they didn't fall into adultery for thousands of years because they moved out of being a supernatural people. And they had a, really an adultery of a different type. They had a, they had a uh, false gods. Some of the same false gods we had. Now, he mentioned that in the Depression is the first big change. That depression, in the Depression, our nation went from one of trusting God and being a supernatural people to not. The shift became as they moved to becoming a humanistic type. You know what humanism is? Man is God. I mean, if you, if you wanted to deduce it down to the most simplest thing, man is God. It's all about you. And this is what came about. This is about what happened. Then we saw a further thing happen in the 60s. In the 60s, a sexual revolution came. And throughout our land came a very spreading of sin in a very blatant way. Things that were before would have never, ever been done were done in public. Branham spoke about a time, and I can't remember the exact quote, and I was trying to think about it. And he said that there was, it was a pivotal time in the 60s. He says, if our nation didn't go a certain way, it would go the other. And if we want the other, it would be the beginning of the end, as he put it. And I think he is right. With that period of time came a real, real change. Boy, it's hard with these glasses to see a computer. Let me see if I can do it with the other ones better. So I guess I have to make a choice of seeing my screen or seeing you well. <laughs> I'm not bad with the far distance, but kind of the reading thing's really gone. Huh? That, that might work. I'd have to maybe even step a little farther back, too. Well, I'll stick these in here. Hey, I can see it. Wow. I can find the scriptures I'm looking for. So, appointed season, knowing the season. You know, when Jesus came, the Pharisees missed it, didn't they? Why? What did, what did Jesus say? They didn't know the season. They didn't know the timing of their salvation. They didn't realize what was happening. They were caught looking at the scriptures and they didn't know them. And because of that, they didn't see what was coming about. Let's see here. I want somebody to read Mark 13, 5 through 9. Then why somebody's looking up that one, somebody else look up Isaiah 5, 20. And why somebody's looking at that one? Somebody up look up Second Timothy, Timothy, three one through nine. And we'll give them a microphone. Probably this mobile one. Oh, you got that one out there long enough? Okay, first one's Mark uh, thirteen five through nine. 
Okay, Mario's got it. Mario. On his phone. I'm on my way. Mario lives on that thing. I know if there was a portrait, it'd be like this. Mark 13, 5 through 9 says, Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. That's it. So far as I want you to go. Yeah. Must be on your guard. Let's look at this first. And a lot of people in the scriptures, uh, in, in different churches, try to tell you exactly the time. And they want to lay out a time of this is going to happen or that's going to happen. I'm not going to attempt to do that because I believe you don't aren't able to do it. And I don't believe it's really important. I believe it really is important is to know the season that we're in. Many will come in my name. Now, we don't really think of many coming in his name, but many do. Not many of them go out and say they're Jesus, but they say they're God. There's gurus all over the place. You've got the Dalai Lama who claims to be God. You've got all these people. They may be very, very nice people on the surface, but they all claim the same thing. They claim that they're God. They claim that they're the one. They're the big answer to it all. So we have many to come in his name, uh, uh, and they'll try to deceive you, and they deceive many. You have wars. You have rumors of wars. Isn't that true? Do you see that, guys? You see that all over? There's a, 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 such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nations. We are seeing that point right now, aren't we? We're seeing nations uh, get up there and uh, rattle their sabers at one another. You know, you see, uh, I can't even say his name, but Myron, uh, yeah, however you say it. I have some other ways of saying it. But I won't say it here. <laughs> but there are many of these people that do that. And there are nations that sit there declaring who they are, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that. They're going to destroy this, and they're going to destroy that. And I don't know. It makes a lot of us very, very nervous. But the Scripture says, you know, this must happen. This must take place. These things must take place. It's just telling us what? What's it telling us? It's a season. We're entering in a season. Now, you can always say it's the end time season. We'd be safe every time since Jesus. But something happened recently. Matter of fact, I would say the last quarter of last year, there's been an acceleration happening, hasn't there? Have you ever seen anything like it? I can tell you in the spirit realm, I've never seen anything like the acceleration that's going on. It's speeding up uh, the spirit realm like I've never seen before. And then when uh, uh, Obama got elected and he came into office, another speeding up took place. It's a tremendous changes of taking place. Now, I'll speak about what some of those changes are, though they're just to make the point that it's this, a season of change, nothing more. Okay, uh, here was the first one that got me. Read Isaiah 5.20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, 
put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I remember when I first started hearing that, that when people would say something, Christian values are bad, worldly values are good, calling good, bad, bad, good. I see that all the time right now. Now, some of you are younger, and, and, and you may not have seen that. I've been around for a long time. So I remember when I first started reading scriptures like that, how in the world would anybody call good evil and evil good? I could not imagine how that would be. But in my lifetime, it has. And it's not a little bit. It's blatant. I mean, I people that are have a gay communities and homosexuals, I, I mean, the scriptures are very clear about right and wrong on that issue. And I'm not here to judge them because it's, it's not the point. Because God loves every one of us, including them. And it's a, it's a shame that the churches came with that attitude that they've come against the, uh, that, that, those group of people. Though I'm not condoning what they do, I'm sure they're not condoning what the church has done in their judgmental condemnation of those people. That does not bring people to the Lord. I, I've dealt with a lot of gay people in my life, and uh, there's one thing I don't need to tell them, and that is that it's wrong. Because in the deepest part of them, they know it is. And the more you argue with them that it isn't, the more they're going to claim the other. But what they've done is said is what there is is right. And you, with your values, like that girl ran for Miss America, her stating that she believes in marriage that's between a man and woman, since it was founded by God, is wrong. That's what we see. It is so blatant all over, but it's just the season we're in. Now, you can get scared about those things, and there's a good reason to be afraid a little bit. But it's talking about a season to come. What season is to come, guys, when this goes about? Jesus coming back. Harvest time. Is that a good time? It's a very good time. It's a time that the saints from all time have looked forward to. It's a time that, that, that people from all that have ever walked this earth as, as men and women of God have waited for. We get to be there. Is it going to be an easy time? How many think it's going to be easy? Good. Got the right church. Some people teach we're going to be taken out before, and I hope they're right, but I think they're wrong. Some people believe that the tribulation of pre-tribbers, they believe that God's going to pull us out of this, and we won't have to face it. Now, I've been around for a long time, but does God usually pull you out of the problems and you don't have to face them? I like your gig if you got it, because I don't see it happen. He doesn't pull us out. He causes us to grow through them. That's the way he works. He likes to work like that. What did he do with his son? Did he pull him out of it just before he went up on the cross? Before he got? No. He caused him to go through it, and he came out the other side. The glory came from going through. It says his obedience came from going through. He learned obedience through suffering on the cross. He learned obedience. I don't fully understand that statement because he looked pretty obedient to me before. But apparently that was the test of test. Because he said he could have called down angels from all over and that would have been over. He could have pulled it down. He could have done all that stuff. He had his will. He could have done what he wanted to do. But he chose not to. And it says he learned Obedience through suffering. So that tells me something. That tells me that you have to go through things to really become obedient. It's not just knowing about things. But Jesus told us to pray a smart thing, and I pray it all the time. It's no hard testing. 
You know, Lord, keep me from hard testing, the Lord's Prayer. I really believe that's a great prayer. I pray it all the time. But we do see good called evil. And if you sat and think about it, it's all the way through everything. I mean, when you want to go, if somebody wanted to pray in school, they call that evil. But you can't pray in school. That's not good. That's not wrong. That's wrong. Separation from church and state. That's a lie. That's not what the Constitution says. But they changed it. Just as they changed good to evil. Okay. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 9. Who's got that for me? Yeah, 3, 1 through 9, yeah. I have people read it because I switch words around a lot of time and it really comes out horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, Rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. They are the kind that worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth, men of depraved minds, who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far, because in this case, in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Now, who's the God in that? Let me first ask, who's the God that it's talking about in here? They will be terrible things in the last peoples, will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud. Where's the, who's the God there? What idol is there, huh? Self. Okay. So, in here, the God of self, and who's the other one? Money. There's the, there's the two things. Is money bad? Absolutely not. Love it. Want more of it. They don't own me. I like to own it. It's, it's, it's great that way. But it really all belongs to him. And that's the mentality we have to have about money, our lives and things, everything that we have. Uh, our marriages, everything. It belongs to the Lord. We're stewards of it. But here it is. Lovers of themselves. It's self this, self that, self magazine, all that focused stuff on self. When we started early on, when we started the church here a couple of years ago, I talked about the difference, and at the fall was a move from being centered on God to being centered on self. And I said to you that sin is the actual act of being centered on self. It's not this and that and all the different things that are around. Those are all the consequences of the sin. The sin itself is being self-focused and and going out to get things for self. That, that is the essence of sin. And the doing of those things are the consequences of the sin. And some of the stuff, other stuff is the judgments of it. 
That sounds weird. I mean, the first time I heard it was a friend, uh, was my pastor, John Wimber. And he said, he, he said it in this way. He says that, you know, the act of adultery is the consequence of the sin. You know, it's the, and it's actually really the judgment of the sin. It, we think of the act as the sin, but it's not. The sin comes as we move from God-focused to self-focused. And what happens when that become lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of God, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Is that not the truth? Have you opened up your paper? Have you ever seen anything like that? I've been around for a while again, and I can tell you I never saw anything like this. and I never believed it could be that bad. I came from a place that it, in the... Uh, that we saw, not a perfect thing, but we saw a society that was focused on God. And, and God was the normal thing. Here, we don't see that. We don't see that right now. And what we, what we see is we see these things take place where this has now become the norm. How many people will cut your throat for money? I've had family members do it on inheritance for money. You think they're lovers of money? Boastful, proud, abusive. Oh, my gosh. I've never seen anything like it. This is to tell you it's a season. All of us act in some of those ways some of the time. And I'm not here to point the finger at those things. Remember the song we sang? Grace is Sufficient. I want you to know something right now. There's never going to be a day that you're going to be perfect and walk everything out right. And I'll tell you, take a little risk in saying something else I don't think we're supposed to be able to. I believe God set this thing up in a way that we would have to rely upon his grace. I know when, when uh, the Apostle Paul complained he had this, this thorn in his side, some people think of sickness, whatever else, I have no idea. But, but whatever it is... Uh, I think it was more towards a, a something in his life he couldn't conquer. And he says, my grace is, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. That's going to be good enough for you. You're not going to have to walk out by having the pride of saying, I'm able to accomplish all this stuff. When I was an early Christian, about six months in the Lord, if the Bible said to do it, I was able to do it. And I couldn't figure out why anybody else didn't do it. And I didn't understand grace. And I didn't understand how I stood. And I didn't understand his grace was enough. And then he let me see how strong I really was. Because he wants us to know that we be dependent upon him. That is the goal, that we're dependent upon him. His grace is sufficient. So these things are not to condemn you. And some of the stuff that we go through, I'm going to mention here about what's happened in the church itself, is not to condemn you. It's to know the season. Church, big C. Not this one. You guys, of course, are perfect, just like me. But the big church has a few problems. We've become a very poor example. We were the breakdown that allowed some of this stuff to happen. We're supposed to be the salt. We're supposed to be the preservative to the society. We have missed. Why am I going to run through this? I'm going to run through a few things that have happened in the church. That I think we have to understand, not that we feel condemned, but we would know the season. 
You know, I've always, not always, but for a long time I've been this way. If there's a problem, yeah, I want to know how I got there so I don't get there again. But I'm not really concerned with the mistakes. I'm most concerned of the forgiveness and how to get to where I'm supposed to be. The first thing of maturity is blaming everyone else. You saw that in the fall. The second part of maturity is taking responsibility. And the third part of, uh, of maturity is understanding that where you are, receive the forgiveness and be able to move on, become who you're called to be. I'm telling you this, that we move on to become who we can be. Now, with the church itself, the church moved from a righteousness in the heart to a Sunday best. You know, it became about what clothes you wore, everything on the outside. They would be nice on the outside and shoot you on Monday. I used to get mad at people going out of the parking lot. Still do. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> you know, you cross me the wrong way, I might go the wrong way on it. Outside thing. What do you think the world sees when they see that? They see an immorality. Uh, they don't see very much difference between us and the world. Divorce rate's about the same. Uh, uh, I think the, the sins in Second Timothy were pretty much covered in most of the stuff. Sins rampant. 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 Can't even say it. And what they see and what they become and the consequences is that when we go out on the promenade and witness, which we do all the time, it's harder. Why is it harder? Because people now want to say, don't tell me that stuff. I've heard you talk that for years. You're Christian. That means you're a hypocrite. And there has some have been hypocrites. We all have been different times, including the one who made the statement, you're a hypocrite, who's a hypocrite. We all are at different times. They want to see power, and they want to see your life. They want to see if your life reflects something different, or is it just the same as everything else? And if they see your life is different, they're going to hear it. If they see the power of God, they're going to hear you. But otherwise, it doesn't work. Now, the enemy wanted to destroy our witness. He did a pretty good job. But he didn't, didn't realize what that's going to make us be. It's going to make us be people of power. Because there's no other ways to do it. That's why we do the dream interpretation. We go out there and we trust that God's going to give them a dream that speaks of him and tells of his love for him and, to, uh, and tells that, that he wants to open things up and wants to bless them. So we can tell them that. So we can point to there's a God. And how do we interpret these dreams? Yeah, we learn it from the, the biblical uh, Hebraic Bible. But it's by the Spirit of God. You can study the Scriptures all day long. You can learn all the tools for interpreting dreams. But if you do not have the Spirit of God, you can't do it. It's made that way. Matter of fact, when you read the Scriptures, it's the same type of thing. same type of symbolism that are in the Scriptures are in dreams. And you know very well that unless you have the Holy Spirit, you cannot possibly interpret what that means. You don't know what it means. You just read it. It's noise. Remember the, uh, the eunuch in the scripture says, well, he's reading the scriptures and he says, well, when it comes up to him, how can I understand this? And, and I think, was it Peter? He explained it to him. I can't remember offhand. Huh? Philip. That's right. Excuse me. Explain it to him. They explained it to him. Pastors falling. Wow. Too many of us want to be kings. Too many of us want to rule over their congregation. And too many of the congregation wants people to go for them. 
Just like with Moses. When God was up on the hill, people said, you go, I don't want to go, I'm scared of it. You can't be scared of God. The time is now is to know him fully. He's opened up. The curtain's been torn. We have the right and the ability, because of what Jesus has done, to enter in. We have that. We can go in and we can be with him. We can, we can spend time with him. We can be changed by him. We can be loved by him. We can feel that. We're called to do that. I can't do it for you. No person can do it for you. You can go to every singing seminar you want to go to. And they're not going to do it for you. You can go to the greatest prophet, lays hands on you and give you some word. They're not going to do it for you until you get in that and get in his presence. You're not going to be touched. Too many people have expected pastors to do it. Pastors have gladly taken the job. They like to rule over people very often. And uh, hopefully I don't do that because they want to be valued like everybody. It's something in all of us. But it can't be. We have to be people to come under you and say, this is who God is. Partake of him. Enjoy him. The pastors fall. Uh, they teach the world's message, a vaccination to the gospel. What is that vaccination to the gospel? Very simply, the vaccination to the gospel is you can have anything you want as long as you have God. That's what they say. As long as you have God, you can have it all. So God is your new credit card. You can go buy this, that, and the other. You know, you give your tithe and you're going to get this great blessing. Tithing is giving back what God's already blessed us as. It's just a handing back of something that he's already done for us. It's not a way to become wealthy with finances. When we tithe, he blesses us emotionally, physically, in every way. And pastors mess that one up, too, on how they taught on it. Second Timothy 4, 3 through 4. The time comes when people will not listen to sound doctrine, but will follow their own desires and will collect for themselves more and more teachers who will tell them what they are itching to hear. Is that not the time we're in right now? Huh? And God's not surprised, as my wife says. It's not surprised. We all know this in time. This is what? To beat you up? No. It's that you would know the time we're in. We're coming into a different season. And yeah, the people want to go out and hear some, some good little thing or a neat little prophecy for them. or And I really believe in prophecy. Don't get me wrong on that. But the one you get it from him. Sometimes somebody else will give you a word, but you've got to get it from him. Sound doctrine is what we need. We need the truth. This falsehood, I love how the, uh, the, uh, the message translates it. It translates it fast food, junk food. The real quick thing. The one that tells you what you want to hear. The one that gives you the temporary enjoyment. You can have this, you can have that. You're going to be blessed if you do this, blessed if you do that. But I'm here to call you to war. Because it is a time for war. You know, we had... Uh, uh, we have a government. I'm going to pick on the government very quickly. Yeah, I don't want to run a spell check. I want to close that thing. Yeah, I see it when I run a spell check on what I write. It's a long time until I get done fixing them all. <laughs> His spelling stinks. It's horrible. <laughs> it's really horrible. What's the government done? They removed God from the government, schools, and society. That's what they've done. 
Have you seen that move towards that? Uh, uh, they made laws against this people, abortion, this of marriage, uh, uh, new government appointees are unbelievable what we're having right now. The, they will become oppressive. Listen to me and mark my words. This government we have will become very oppressive. The principles that there's no absolutes, including God. Sin is situational. Dependence on how you view things. Self-serving. You are God. Everything should be fair. How about that one? That's another principle of the world. Nothing ever bad happens to good people. That's one that's been in the church a lot. It's a lie. But it is. Jesus was the worst of all, wasn't he? Because nothing worse ever happened on the face of earth than him. Never confront anybody. If you've been around here for a while, you probably have had me confront you in some way. Gently, hopefully. Because I'm not afraid to talk to people about their stuff. Some of the people leave. And they'll stay the same place they've always been forever. They'll be still sucking the bottle. Drinking the milk. Because they aren't willing to grow up. People confront me. People challenge me. I listen to it. I have people that are uh, uh, authorities over my life speak things to me. And I have people that, are, that I, I have authority over in their life speak things to me. And I have to learn to hear it from both. And you have to learn to hear it from both. And you have to be willing to take a look at something, taste it, ask the Lord if it's true or not. And if it's true, change. Because those are the good things to help you along the way. Everything has to be easy. I want it now. I have the right. If it doesn't feel good, it's not good. Do you have rights? What rights do you guys have? What rights do we have? Do you have free choice? My wife took my story. That's true. Dead men don't have rights. They really don't. We can always claim that right back and take the control of our life back. God has given us a free will to be able to do that. But if the truth of it is, we don't have rights anymore. The truth of it is, we don't, our will is no longer ours. When, you know the whole thing of Lord God and us servants means he's God and we're not. That means that we give up our rights. You know, the idea of the bond servant where they put the, you know, there were so many years that in, in the, in the uh, Hebrew culture and by the law of God that they would serve, and after that they would set them free. But when it came time for setting free, they could choose to become a bond servant for life, and they'd put an earring through the other ear, and they'd be uh, uh, theirs for life, servant for life, never could get free. The, the freedom years didn't come up. They were that for life. We have, that's why... Paul says, I'm a bondservant, because he willingly, with the freedom and his free will, chose to lay it down to serve God with everything in him. If you're in Christianity, if you're in God, you have made that choice to do that. And you'll have to make that choice over and over again, because you will take it back. But you have to do that, because that's the game. That's the call. You're called to give your life to God. And serve him. It's not where you want to live. It's not the church you want to go. It's not the person you want to marry. It's not any of this stuff. It's who he does. And you have to believe that God's what? Extremely good. 
If you're going to give your life over to someone like that, you have to believe that God's good and wants the very, very best for you. Is he good? Have you read Genesis? Everything he made was good. He's good. He likes to be called good. Everything about him likes to be called good. He is very, 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 very good. Nobody's better. He's no turning, no darkness in him. There's no bad in him whatsoever. He's good. So you can do that and get that, become a bond servant, be handed over to him. We do that. But the world hasn't. As a result of that, they're resistant to God and open to sin. I want to talk to you about three deliverances and then close on that. What was the first deliverance you know of in the scriptures? Exactly. Israel from Egypt. What is Israel symbolic of? Oh, life. Sin. Huh? The world. Exactly. Then they went after that. What's the next redemption that we see? Next deliverance. The cross, right? That's a redemption. What does redemption mean? What did he redeem you guys from? Sin and the consequences, death, all that. You know, that's one we don't think of very often. When he redeemed us from sin, what does he mean by that? Yeah. And you are not under the law anymore, not under the rules anymore, not under that sin thing anymore. Do we sin? Yeah, we do. Do we have the consequences of that sin? No. Why? Redemption. So that was the second one. The third one is when he comes again. All of them kind of line up in the same way. You have uh, Egypt. You have ourself. It's a type of Christ. They have going to the desert, which was a great trial for them. Then they had to do what? Fight. It didn't come in real easy. The fight to come into the promised land. Did everybody make it? No. Did everybody at Jesus' time make it? No. The Pharisees stayed. Why? They didn't know the time of their salvation. They didn't know the season. They didn't know what was going on. They were not paying attention. That's the reason I'm going through this. Not to drag up a whole bunch of bad stuff that's happening in this world. There's plenty of it. But if I, we don't pay attention, if we don't go, wow, wait a minute, this is the season we're in, then what happens when things go wrong? Because, believe me, things will go wrong. Now, what happened with Israel, uh, with Egypt? They got judged, didn't they? All the stuff that they had was judged. I mean, there were how many plagues? Ten. They were bad things that happened. Where was Israel at the time? They were basically in the land. They were in the land of Goshen. But they were in the land. Did it happen to them? No. Did they go through it? Yeah. And so what was that process of that, of that Egypt? It was a separation, wasn't it? It was a bringing out of God's people. This is too. Well, Jesus said it was a bringing out of God's people. How are you in God? You said everything is in and through Christ. I live in Christ through Christ. And those who accept Christ are in him. So, 
we, when, we, when we come out of who we are, die to ourselves, which we're going to do in a minute, we're going to do the, uh, 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 the dominion, is what? The symbolism of death to ourselves and resurrection in Christ. That's what it is. It's, it's a symbolism of what Jesus did. It's also a symbol of Egypt. And it's a symbol of what's yet to come. So that means God's not going to pull you out of this thing because they didn't pull them out in that same way. They went through that, that stuff. And the testing and trials and all the stuff that comes along, all the stuff that's going to come with our economy right now, and the oppression that comes from the government is going to do, is, going to, is, is, a, is what? Harvest time. And what do you do at harvest? You take the wheat and you throw the junk away. And that's exactly what God's about ready to do. He's about ready to separate you from the rest of the world. Doesn't mean you not spend time or talk to the people in the world. Of course it doesn't. You want to bring as many as long as possible. That's the reason I'm talking today. We want to bring as many as long. We want to bring those. And, and, and go back to Egypt. If anybody, a Jew, was not a nationality. I get in trouble for this one. Hebrew is a nationality. Jew was a religion. And you'd become a Jew, and you were treated as a Jew from that point on, as, as you believed in Yeshua. Well, not Yeshua, but if you believe in Yahweh, boom, you're, you, were, you were a Jew. Anybody would became that, whether they were not Hebrew or not, if they were part of that, they would have came out with them. Anybody that's in the world will come out with this. But when they came out of that stuff, that pain of separation that was in Egypt, then they went through some trials, didn't they? Were they thirsty? Yeah. Were they hungry? But their shoes didn't wear out, did they? So in the midst of trials and testing that would bring them into a different place, there was a supernatural provision. We can have a supernatural provision. That's what God wants us to have. In this, if you acknowledge God and acknowledge what he's doing, he will give you a supernatural provision. That's not like the world. Now, Israel took all the wealth of Egypt out, didn't they? What did they do with it? And they ended up eating it, didn't they? <laughs> That's exactly what they did with it. If they took it and used it wrong, you're going to eat it. Used it right, they would have kept it. They didn't use it right. They built an idol of it, and then, then God had them grind it up and the gold and eat it. Which we find gold's very good for you to eat, by the way. <laughs> Bring some healing for arthritis and a whole bunch of stuff. Or bitterness, which comes from arthritis. But another story. So it was that bringing out in that process that we're going through right now. We're in that season right now. Not the thing to be afraid of, but be aware of. Not the thing to, uh, to be defeated in, but to be triumphant. Yes. Was Jesus triumphant? Yeah. You are called to win. You are called to be triumphant. You are called to come out of this world in a way and be his and be used for his. And furthermore, you're called to be used to take this land, the people, and bring them. Because God doesn't want anybody not to be saved. Doesn't want anybody, not one person to perish, he says. Now it is our season, it is our time. We are that generation that's called to do this. When is the end end going to be? I don't know. But I can tell you it's a lot further along than it was before. And I can tell you right now that we have such an acceleration. I believe it will be 
in my lifetime, if not some of yours for sure. I really believe that with all my whole heart. Could I be wrong? Sure. But I don't think I am. There is such an acceleration and such a change of going. So if you are it, like what John Wimber says, does it really come down to me? It has come down to you. You are the best of the best seed all the way down your family line, the scripture says. You are the best of it. Your job is to take this kingdom. You know, maybe the one hand hide behind the back and pinky on the left finger he's winning with us. But for some reason God has chose that without a doubt he is going to use man rather than do it himself. That's his choice. He chose to do that. You're it. If, if you don't do it, he'll replace you with someone at will. He will bring about what he's going to bring about. I don't know about you, but I want to be not at the outskirts of Israel, of, of, of the new, new Jerusalem. I don't want to be at the very edge of it. I want to be in the city. I want to be in with the living God. And the last thing I want to tell you is this. You have to check yourself out. We're all called to this. Not all of you will answer this. But we're called to make be that type of difference. But we have to sit there, and if we're going to make it through, then we're going to have to say this. I have a call, what God's telling me to do. Then I can no longer worry about the consequence of what happens to me, to my house, to my body, to anything else. That's the call that God's putting on our lives. The willingness. If you have not worked that in, in your mind, then you will not make it. Because you'll always be worried about your stuff. That means God still is not ruling in your heart in the same way. Now, most of us aren't ready to go die for Jesus. I don't think I am. I don't, I don't know. I hope I don't have to find out. But I ask for God to give me the strength to do those things. And I have to be willing. I've thought about recently. Have you looked at what's happening now? How can you turn what's happening around? We are past the point of no return in our society. You just take a look at what realms and how God has just been taken out of it. And then they think they're going to take God out and make rules and regulation keep it. It didn't work in the Old Testament. It won't work now. It's God that does. And what I'm trying to say to you is this, is that when God has been taken out of things, and what is good is called evil now, and evil is good, the whole fabric of who we are has changed. It's no longer the same. I don't know how I've thought about it. It can be reversed. I don't see how you can preach it and change it. I can, I'm going to go out there and save as many, but it's for the end time purposes. But going out and saving the people and have a Billy Graham crusade and saving them, could God do some type of revival like that? Yeah. He can do anything. But I don't see it. But I see a judgment coming that separates, which is harvest time. That's what you do. The judgment, harvest, cuts it off. Are you weak? 
are your weeds. And then he's going to grind you a little bit. Throw off the chunk that's not good where only the wheat remains. That's what he's going to do. I'm telling you about it not to be the bad guy. So if you know about it ahead of time, you know what you're in for. This is what you're in for. Ask God for strength. That's what it says to do. Ask God for strength to go through this stuff. Because we're in a place of no return. There's no, I don't think there's going to be turned around. But it's a great thing because it's the separation. It's the harvest time. The separation from good and evil. That his people will come forth and shine like never before. This time will be the time of God and shining through you like never, ever, 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 ever before in history. There will be people that, you know, will shine brighter than Paul the Apostle did, I believe. But I think it will be as a whole we will as a church be brought forward. This is a good thing. Now, I'm going to give a little time. Uh, uh, should we do the communion first? Yeah, let's do the communion first. Uh, and what I want you to do is grab two or three people. Uh, yeah, break up in groups of five. And one of you go get the elements and we'll do it. And then afterwards, I'm going to give time. If you want to come forward and want prayer to be strengthened for what's coming our way, I want to be able to do it. But it's not a bad thing that's coming forth. It's a very good thing. It's the end time that won't be, oh, I just want to be with Jesus. Remember that little song you used to sing to yourself? You're going to get to. It's just not going to be quite as easy as we thought it was going to be. Somebody didn't tell you maybe the full truth. But I'm here to tell you. I'm the bad news, the good news. But the good news is it's the greatest time in history. We're going to get to see miracles like they've never seen since the time of Jesus. Not just one or two all over the place. Because they don't believe you just telling them. They won't. They're going to have to see power. There's stuff coming on, and some guys say it's going to happen this year. I don't know if it is or not. That is going to scare the heck out of the people. What does it take to make open people up? They have to be desperate for God. God's going to make people desperate. You get close, you know, bad things, when bad things come along. Some people get closer to God, some get farther away. The ones that are close get closer. The ones that are not close enough get pushed away. You've got to get close. So go ahead and grab the uh, elements. So just groups of five. One person will get the elements and we'll do this.